What's that? Polka? No. The metal. Well, I think we finally made it as a podcast. And of course, this podcast is The Onslaught, the only heavy metal podcast in the world. I'm Brian. And I'm Vargas. I know. And I already know what you're kidding. <laughs> I know that we've allowed super fan Greg Burgess to come on our show and be interviewed, and people will be like, whoa, Brian. Isn't that when you made it as a podcast? No. No, that's when Greg made it. That's when Greg was, yeah, that's when we made Greg. Uh, <laughs> uh, now look at Allegiant. They're, they're releasing a new album, so they're going to get all kinds of, you're welcome, is what we're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we yeah. made it as a podcast when we got blocked. <laughs> our Twitter account got blocked by six feet under. We know we know that all of you mega fans out there have been following our flame war with Chris Barnes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not to, he's just, uh, if you're, if you're not familiar, he was the vocalist for cannibal corpse. He got kicked out and he's now the front man for six feet under, which I'm just going to say this. I'm going to get this out of the way right now. Yeah. I've never liked cannibal corpse or six feet under. <laughs> right. So I don't give a shit. Even, even when it's corpse grinder, I still yeah. don't dig cannibal corpse that yeah. much. Anyway, he watched a Jamie Josta's podcast and he had, no, uh, no, no. It wasn't Jamie Joss's podcast. It was a different podcast. It was a different it was podcast. A separate one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he watched it. It was like a round table of death metal vocalists. Yeah. It was a guy from Gate Creeper, from Black Dolly Murder, uh, and oh, there was somebody. I think Josta was on it. He was on it. It yeah. was not his podcast. Um, and then there were a couple other people. Yeah. And and fucking Chris Barnes <laughs> is like, oh, death metal so soft. Like, oh, it's just like not even what it used to be. And everybody's like, well. There were two camps, right? It was people yeah. much like Chris Barnes. They were like, yeah, fucking this new stuff sucks. It's like, yeah, it was, it was your 50 year old uncle. Yeah. And everybody else. <laughs> Those are the two camps. And uh, I mean, Gatecreeper, Black Dolly. I don't like Hatebreed. Jamie Josta seems fine, but I don't yeah. like Hatebreed's music. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Black Dolly Murder, Gatecreeper making some really, really good death metal. And you're going to say that they aren't the the problem that I think most people have. The problem I have, I'll speak for myself, is that his statement said, I hate what this genre has become. Yeah. And like everybody on the Internet was like, better. What the fuck do you mean? And he was like, well, I mean, he didn't he didn't clarify his statement at all. And no. he just started like Double blocking down. people. Yep. Then Jamie Josta was like, come on the show and let's talk about that. And he basically was like, I don't want to talk to you fucking poser. I mean, he didn't say that exactly, but that was the sentiment. Yeah, if was you're not, given out. if you're not blocked by him, you can go yeah. search his name on Twitter and see the whole thing. But uh, the, my favorite part of that interaction, <laughs> Jamie Josta thing yeah. was he was like something. Jamie said something about, Oh, we're, you know, we're just trying to promote bands, blah, blah, yeah. uh, and Chris Barnes said he doesn't promote because he's not a shill. Right now, in 2008, I believe he did a commercial for a used car sales place at whatever local town he was in. Yeah, he appeared in that commercial. So, my guy, if anyone's a shill, <laughs> it is actively you. Yeah, it- uh, Chris Barnes seems like the kind of guy that would. Uh, Call a guy a pussy for not wearing a band t-shirt and then show up to an outlet mall in full camo. Chris Barnes seems like the kind of guy who lets his dog shit on the sidewalk and then steps in it and then blames the city for not picking up the dog shit. <laughs> yeah. 
you had a really good i used it for our twitter uh if you should follow us we're at the onslaught pod uh but you had a very good joke because you and i were just talking and we're talking about how how neither of us like six feet under yeah and you said i could throw a rock at the internet and hit a band better than six feet under (laughs) yeah and it's really true and really funny uh so i use that and that is the comment that got us blocked right (laughs) and you know what if you like six feet under that's fine that's fine the thing that makes me roll my eyes at this whole situation is that chris barnes has the gall to make such an inflammatory statement on the internet but not the gall to like back it up or defend it or even just hear other sides of it yeah he doesn't even anyone that said anything besides oh, i fucking love you bro right got blocked yeah anybody that said anything but even uh, uh mark morton lamb of god yeah. guitar like he was blocking other musicians yeah. in the industry he, he's just like a <laughs> piss baby fucking can't yeah. take any kind of debate yeah Oh God! Fuck him. That's it. I don't want to talk I, about him anymore. Yeah, he's a big, he's a big goober. I'm gonna say goober because whoa, not, it's not even, it's not even whoa. worth calling him an asshole. You know what I mean? He's yeah. just you being a fucking goober, man. Because whenever you call him that to his face, a goober, he'd be like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't even a goob, a yeah. goober. Yeah, you're a goober. You're a little piss baby. Uh, uh, how do I block you in real life? Fine, blocked. Dork. Fine, dork. Oh, I block him again. You gotta unblock me first, <laughs> and then I fire in with a nerd. God damn, going real hard on Chris Barnes. Yeah, yeah, fuck him. Uh, what other heavy metal news? Actual news? Do we um, have fun news? Howard Jones joins Killswitch on stage for three songs. Yeah, that's cool. uh, that's really cool. Howard Jones is a very talented vocalist. He was. I, I don't really keep up with Killswitch anymore, but yeah. his range. Uh, oh yeah, for a he's clean, a talented singer. Yeah, for a clean vocalist is really good, and I really enjoyed some of the um the songs that he made while he was in that band unfortunately hot topic sort of globbed on to kill switch engage and got a really annoying fan base out of it but they make some good stuff yeah i'm glad to see that they're still on good terms um did we talk about uh gene hoagland leaving testament i think you and i talked about it yeah he was what what's the what's the actual phrasing they used because it was I don't think it was him stepping down. I think no, it was, it was like they basically made the mutual decision that like between both parties commitments, they can't like meet up Dude, Hogland does so much yeah. for so many place people places. Yeah, he's he's a fucking monster um, and testament is sort of also we're a testament. Yeah, like, right. You got to like we sell out festivals. You got to be able to commit to going on tour all, you know. Yeah. And I mean, he's been the, their drummer for ten years. Yeah, so it's not it's, like he would just stepped in for an album and yeah, um, yeah. He's you know, just got solo stuff. Other there's guys whatever. like that though that they just have too much too much creativity, too much stuff flowing that they can't like. You know, you can't like lock them down. Basically, yeah, you almost can't commit to a band. Yeah, you it's have almost to, like, like Debbie. Like same thing. Yeah. Even even though he is the sole creator of all of his bands. Yeah, he still has to have four or five fucking projects going at a time yeah exactly yeah it would be like trying to have him as your front man you might get him for an album or you know he'll, he'll come back but he he won't be touring with you the whole yeah. time yeah, whatever yeah. so um that's kind of a bummer but you know it's hopefully uh gene has some other cool stuff yeah i think he'll be fine yeah he'll, he'll be all right i'm sure testament will be fine too <laughs> yeah um 
I did want to mention, I talked about this band on uh, Debates on Tap every Monday. Listen to us on Debates on Tap. Nice. Um, Good plug. Thanks. Uh, it's a new, a new band that I found, not a new band, uh, called Alcest. They're a French... Oh, yeah. We made a bunch of incest jokes. We did. We yeah, made yeah. a lot of them. So if you want to hear those... <laughs> Yeah, we're not going to waste them here. Um, but they're a, a French black metal band that yeah, I know that everybody here has heard uh, Botanist at this point. They are... You force them to hear Botanist. Yeah, they're yeah. they're like a less weird Botanist. Which is, in my book, good. <laughs> right. Botanist is just towing that line. I know, I know. Um, but they are along that same vein, that kind of like wall of sound. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, everything... We, you mentioned uh, the band Dune, D-V-N-E, yeah. as, yeah. uh, as a comparison. Yes. So... Uh, also very good. Um, but yeah, it, this is a band that... If you're a fan of stuff like Devin Townsend or Botanist, either camp, you'll like Alcest. Yeah. They're really fucking good. And they'll probably be on bracket number two, should we get to that point. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of commitment. So <laughs> we'll decide either. We should decide after we have more beers, because so, then everything's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> we should invite Chris Barnes on and have him. <laughs> Pick all the bands for bracket two. Jesus Christ. That I can't imagine a worse bracket than Chris Barnes picking 32 bands. Heavy metal bands. Six feet under. Seven feet under. Cannibal Corpse from 92 to 95. <laughs> Eight feet under. <laughs> nine feet under. <laughs> Chris, you're just... Are you learning to count right now? Cannibal Corpse <laughs> from 91 to 92 again. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be bad. It would be bad. Uh, anything else over there? Let's uh, those are the highlights. News corner, breaking news now. Uh, the new ghost song is good. If we haven't, yeah, talked about that it's uh, it's all right. It's better than Hunter's Moon. Yeah, yeah, it is better than Hunter's Moon. Uh, that album, uh, I'm hearing rumors was there's a song inspired by Mike Pence, um, and other yes. Bible thumpers. Yeah, um, kind of going after them. There's a song about Jack the Ripper on there, which I think Ooh. will be fun. It's a fun little thing that Ghost hasn't tackled yet, to my knowledge. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, uh, I think the album's called Imperia, something like that. Uh, so stay tuned for YouTube. I'm sure there's going to be some weird cardinal story going on, Pope <laughs> Hell story. Yeah. So that'll be fun to keep up with. Uh, speaking of, do you speaking of French death metal? Actually, it was a perfect perfect segue. Uh, do you think, like to me, Gojira? Okay, they're they're they are carrying the flag of death metal. If if you want to get break things down and be like, there's a thrash metal carrier, you know, yeah, black, sure. they're carrying the death metal. I know they've gotten more progressive, yeah, but to me, they're still like the leaders of who's the best death metal band today. Yeah, I mean, now that Bodum's pretty much gone, I mean, they are gone. Bodum after midnight is not becoming a, a thing. Yeah, um, sure. I mean, there's obviously arguments to be made, but yeah, I'll back you up on that. It just blows my mind that. Chris Barnes would look at We're still talking which I just Chris the last Barnes. thing it's the last thing <laughs> that he would look at Gojira and be like oh, it's a shitty band they're soft because they do sing I've multiple interviews Joe mm -hmm. Duplantier yeah talked about wanting to bring they basically whenever he writes lyrics and stuff he takes his the bad stuff and recycles it into positive energy and that's why like really none of their songs are like gore or any yeah. of that it's, there's actually a lot of positive lyrics uh, to Gojira and you mentioned that, and I think that somebody that shall remain unnamed, that seems like that they would get pissed at the DMV for 
just d- at normal day at speed of the DMV is the guy that is in the back going, God damn. I mean, like, it's not like we have stuff to do. It wasn't like this back in my day. Yeah, they got, used to give me in and out in, in, in 95. I was, I'm fucking, you heard of Cannibal Corpse? Uh, so, but it, it's just wild that he would call them soft. It, I mean. You know what I mean? It, again, he's he's the kind of dude who was like, thought that shit was super cool in middle school and never got Stayed out of that there. mindset. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this week we have Gojira versus Exodus. Yep. So we have two heavy hitters again. Getting a lot of heavy hitters going against each other on this side of the bracket. It's almost like we eliminated half the bands on our already good bracket. Oh, weird how <laughs> tournaments <laughs> tournaments work. Uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can go first. Okay, go nuts. Okay. Um, Exodus is the band yes, that I is. am talking about. Uh, they were founded in 1979. Are they the oldest band on the bracket? Oh, I don't know either. I think they might be probably because most of the older bands, I would say we did not include because of their fame, right? Motorhead and Iron Maiden and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I and I don't think we included like Merciful Fate or anything. And so. yet here we are talking about Gojira and Exodus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know those two little known bands, that- small <laughs> local bands. Yeah. Uh. So okay, I'm just gonna say that they're the oldest band on the bracket. No one's going to prove you wrong. No one's going to even try. They don't have a uh, mic. <laughs> the only member of the founding lineup that's still in the band is drummer Tom Hunting, who actually quit the band twice. Great. Uh, once in 89 after an illness and once in 05. What was the time in 05? What do you, why did you do it then? Because you, uh, you wanted to focus on being a dad, I think. I mean, both sure. good reasons. Yeah. If you're sick or you got to be a, a pop-up. Oh, and Homeboy has had some shit in in like 83 he lost part of his arm due to like poor blood circulation jesus yeah and then he had i know he just like last year got chemo and is no longer like he had stomach cancer got that shit fixed i mean it's a whole goddamn thing homeboy is not a healthy lost person part of his arm yeah like part of his musculature oh okay not like, like he didn't like lose like a, a limb it's not def leopard hey uh what has seven <laughs> arms and sucks def leopard <laughs> yeah <laughs> so anyway shout out shout out to tom for like still drumming after being like the sickest person i've ever read about in a metal band yeah man tom come on the show we'll talk about how sick you were <laughs> It'll be fun to drum those memories up on it. Yeah, totally. Um, if 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 anyone deserves a thrash of the Titans too, after what I've read, it's Tom Hunting from yeah, Exodus. Um, anyway, so uh, also I found this interesting about Exodus's early days. There was a time in 1981, like 1981, 1982 ish, where Exodus's lineup consisted of Kirk Hammett. And Gary Holt on guitars, some dude named Carl Melson on bass. I don't know who that was. Tom Hunting on drums and Paul Balaf on vocals. It's quite the super group. What a time to be a kid. Oh, yeah, in, man. In the Bay Area who liked house parties and British metal covers. Yeah, man. That's what they were doing. Hell yeah. That is like, <laughs> honestly, the Bay Area in the early 80s was just fucking probably yeah, the best. Just full of that shit. Um anyway i just thought that was really crazy that 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 was their line and tom did vocals for exodus before they found paul their drummer wow so 
again, they were also doing like new wave of British heavy metal covers, sure, sure. but still like you're out there doing, I don't know, maybe an Iron Maiden cover whilst playing drums. Pretty rough. Pretty rough. Um, so that lineup that I just said, um, Kirk, Gary, Carlton, and Tom with Paul uh, would record a three song demo in 82, which was Kirk's only contribution to Exodus material. Uh, that same year, Exodus opened for a small uh, band. They were not local to the Bay Area. They're from L.A. Uh, a little band called um, Metallica. You ever heard of them? Sound like they suck. They, they, they do. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Exodus lost Kirk to that band. Um, a bunch did, of poachers. Yeah, I don't know if they um, had any success after that. But uh, James poaching bears in Russia and who? poaching guitarists and bay area who uh never mind don't worry about it um so so obviously kirk would join metallica after they opened for him yeah yeah, we got it in like (laughs) 83 or 84 something like that uh so after kirk left uh gary holt was basically not only the driving force behind the band but the biggest creative input and it's been that way the rest of the time that exodus has been a band yeah in 84, Exodus recorded another demo, which would eventually evolve into their debut album, Bonded by Blood. Bonded by Blood. Bonded by Blood. I actually wrote it like that. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's where I want to take a little hypothetical. Take take this trip with me. Okay. Bonded was recorded in the summer of 84. Okay. So like July, June, July of 84. The album was originally titled A Lesson in Violence, but nobody could come up with a good album cover for that title. So they went with Bonded by Blood, and we got the classic Demon Baby Siamese Twin cover thing. Yeah, if that's your cover that you decided because you couldn't do... Le- anyway, go on. So, the a, a Lesson in Violence, the Bonded by Blood's original title, was like traded in the underground tape trading scene a little bit, but they basically stopped making... like even unofficial copies because they were like, Oh, this album's actually coming out soon. Yeah. Whatever. But imagine if you will, that instead of dicking around for literally 10 months due to an album cover, whatever problem, they would have just dropped it in like August of 84. I suggest to you, Brian, Mm -hmm. That if that had happened, we'd be talking about Anthrax or Slayer right now instead of Exodus. Because those bands dropped debut albums in early 84. And they would have had an Exodus would have had an album in that mix along the same time. So your hypothetical is that due to the release date, Exodus suffered a, a lack of support because the support was given to Anthrax and Slayer. Yeah. I... I appreciate that hypothetical. I think that the albums that Anthrax and Slayer dropped were better than Bonded by Blood. See, and that's what I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think You're that. Not a huge Anthrax fan, though, right? I'm not a huge Anthrax fan, but I'm. I'm also gonna say I don't think that uh, Fistful of Metal or Show No Mercy are so significantly better than Bonded by Blood that they would have just overshadowed it. I think if. Kill 'em all, bonded by blood, show no mercy, and fistful of metal would have been the four because Megadeth didn't release um, what is it? 
not is it peace cells no, no. that was their third uh, uh killing so, is killing is my business i think it was so far so good so what is it? it i don't know i'll, I'll google their, it no their first their first album first total album was was killing is my business and business is good yeah yeah, yeah. they didn't release that till like 85 so i i really really think that if we would have had the big four with Exodus, either instead of Slayer and Anthrax or Megadeth, whatever, I I think Bonded by Blood would have made a much more significant impact, and it would be talked about more if it would have released nine or ten months earlier. Maybe, maybe. I I still I think that Exodus suffers the same problem that Overkill suffers, and that is that their vocalists, both their vocalists, are acquired tastes. But that's what I'm saying. When they had Paul, I it was it was way better. It was better for sure. And but that's it was still, and that's what I'm saying. They if they would have hit and had way bigger success along and ride, ridden that wave with the rest of those, well, not Anthrax obviously, but like if they would have ridden that big four wave, their their whole history would be totally different. I'm gonna give you a maybe. You're gonna give me a positive maybe. <laughs> That's like that's like a C plus theoretical, and you know it. Yeah, I, that's why I said a maybe. A maybe is a very C plus. I didn't say maybe. I said maybe. That's the, that's the that, plus. That is the that is the plus. <laughs> and so again, I'm not trying to throw any shade on Fistful of Metal. Show no mercy. Yeah, you but are. I think do it. Throw throw shade at them. I think there's Fuck a, anthrax. Fuck like <laughs> they do suck. They're not on this list. Uh, I think there is an argument to be made that Bono by Blood is more emblematic of what Thrash would eventually become than either of those albums. I can I can get on board with that, and that's what I'm saying. Are you just wait until I agree with you, and then say that's what you're saying. No, <laughs> I I wrote it down. <laughs> uh, so that's that's my hot take for this is that if they would have not dicked around, but what's what's funny, and I'll talk about this in a minute, is that situation where they like kind of dick around with an album is totally their modus operandi like they drop albums at bad times when they should just like we're just going to release it yeah so either way whether you think exodus's hypothetical history would have been different had they dropped that album 10 months early i don't think there's any denying that bonded by blood is a thrash metal classic a thrasher piece, if you will. <laughs> and I will. <laughs> yes. I will. Yes, you will. Anyway, after touring for Bonded by Blood, Exodus did the thrash metal band Rite of Passage and fired Paul Blala for, for behavior related to alcohol and substance abuse. Now that sounds like thrash metal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he was replaced by Steve Zetro Sousa, who is a knob, but a good singer. <laughs> <laughs> He's a knob. You know he is. He is kind of a knob, yeah. <laughs> Um, the band had recorded with two albums with that lineup, Pleasure of the Flesh and Fabulous Disaster, before more personnel changes. And this is where Exodus was at their peak. Uh, in fact, Disaster would be the last time Exodus would chart in the U.S. until 2014. Wow. Yeah. That's a quite the gap. Yeah. So they, and again, this is what I'm saying. They had those first three albums basically with the same lineup, the same core creative lineup and that's that was it that was peak exodus yeah you move all that shit backwards 10 months and it would have just been even bigger anyway i don't want to talk about it anymore <laughs> you get riled up because you don't think that i'm right i always think you're right i just uh think you're wrong in this scenario 
it'll be interesting though you can sound off on uh, twitter or instagram at the onslaught pod or email us at the onslaught podcast at gmail.com let us know if vargas is right or more importantly let us know <laughs> no, if he's wrong nay if, nay if. <laughs> uh so <laughs> it was last time they would chart uh until 2014 uh probably because after recording two more albums impact is imminent and force of habit exodus broke up in 93 yeah um <laughs> I, f- I found a really good Gary Holt interview with Metal Hammer about their split. Um, and he said, quote, basically, there was a lot of battling behind the scenes. Everybody was going through managers to complain about each other instead of talking to each other. Always bad. Um, he also said, uh, quote, an incident happened in Japan in front of a room full of press. Somebody came in. I don't want to name names because it's old and started ranting, not realizing there was a room full of 20 journalists. Oh, God. <laughs> so eventually the journalist asked, quote, what's the future of Exodus? And I, Gary Holt, said, this is our last tour. I made the decision right there. I wasn't happy. Okay. So, <laughs> well, that sounds like a lot of uh, stuff boiling over. And yep. Um, I also talk, what is it with band, heavy metal bands specifically? We just talked about Every Time I Die a couple weeks ago. It's just like most of them that have lineup changes like that. they just can't communicate well it's because they're all like 18 years old when they make record yeah, their they, first album yeah. and they don't know how to be people yeah which whatever um looking at you chris <laughs> nice got him <laughs> roast his ass uh i also found this um amazing amazing quote from that same interview about gary's time away from exodus which was a, it was a six-year gap yeah between when they broke up and then when they got back together for that first like tour um so holt described himself thusly quote i was a normal dad i was the only male member of the local school's parent teacher association when i showed up my hair was in little sid vicious spikes i had giant chrome sunglasses on they looked like they were gonna get robbed but we were taking kids bowling just hanging out i was just like all other housewives i barely touched the guitar that was Gary. That, that was Gary. Holt. God, I, I just <laughs> imagine being one of the and not knowing who it was. Yeah. Just being like, oh, fucking is Gary coming again. Fuck is this guy? God damn it. You're going <laughs> to pop the balloons with your hair, Gary. <laughs> he, he just he's a stay at home dad, which is that'd fucking be, great, be great right? man. Uh, I just thought that was really great. Um, so Exodus would reform in 97 for some live shows, um, but more personal and business disputes would make them call it quits again. They were back together for like a year and three months or something and only recorded live shows. They tried to do, well, they did record a live album, put that out. They tried to do like a live video album thing. And that's kind of what made them fold again. Hmm. Um, so that was, that was 98. They were inactive, uh, until August, 2001 when they reunited for the Chuck's Billy and Shouldner benefit concert thrash of the Titans. Talked uh, about that on our Testament episode. We did. Things looked good for the boys. They continued playing shows and even talked about a new album until February 2002 when singer Paul Balaf died of a stroke, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, they were all very uh, committed, though, to continuing Exodus this time. Um, the band was determined for a comeback, and they recruited Zetro to come back and sing, which resulted in Tempo of the Damned in 2004. Uh which was grilly fucking hell of a good comeback. Yeah, it's great shit. 
Um, Tempo had a similar impact to, as Bonded did back in the 80s. Not a lot of sales, but now it's regarded as an instrumental piece of thrash metal revival from the early 2000s. Um, the Exodus lineup would see more changes after the album's released. Most notably, Rob Dukes was brought in to sing. He is also kind of a knob. <laughs> he actually, I think he's more of a knob than Steve. They're both. They're both pretty big knobs. They're both pretty big knobs in different ways. Yeah. Uh, more shit happened. Dukes was out. Zetra is brought back in. So here we are now. And Exodus is back on the rise. 2014 saw blood in blood out. Get them back on the charts at number 38. The highest they've ever been. Even pretty high. Even since back in the eighties. Yeah. Um, the albums also had a guest appearance from former member Kirk Hammett. Uh, his first with the band since that 1982 demo, which pretty fucking cool. That is very cool. It's also uh, not surprising that they tapped a Metallica guitarist to try and get them back on the charts. I mean, it was it was a solo in one song. Yeah. So yeah. we can't. I'm not going to give any credit to Kirk. No. for Making that album sales. But it's just uh, it's just like the uh, charity event we have going on for Hope House, where we uh, latch yeah. on to the fact that you could win free beer for a year from Boulevard. It's true. So it's March 6th that 1 p.m. at Cinderblock, and we're still the coolest podcast there. You bet your ass we are. You sons of bitches. Even though this isn't the podcast that's hosting. Whatever. We're going to be there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're if right. you want to show up March 6th at 1 p.m. and talk to us about the hypothetical situation where Exodus releases Bonded by Blood 10 months early, I will be there. Yeah. And he <laughs> is very aggressive with his eyes. So come prepared with whatever you need to defend yourself. Facts and figures. <laughs> You better you better have a really strong argument for show no mercy. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So they released blood in blood out huge for the band. Their biggest, their biggest commercial success yet. Um, they released, they recorded persona non grata, uh, which in classic Exodus fashion took forever to come out due to constant Exodus tours and Holt's commitment to Slayer's farewell tours. Uh, Holt has since promised that there will not be another seven year gap between albums. So I mean, we'll see. They just, yeah. Persona non grata was November of last year. Yeah. In 2021. So, uh, but I mean, they, besides, I don't know, they, they, in that, cause in the eighties they were doing it like every two years, basically, which was like par for the course for most bands. Yeah. Um, so, and then even when they, uh, Temple of the Damned and Shovelheaded Kill Machine and the Atrocity Exhibit all came out within three years of each other. They had a consistent lineup then. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think we're going to have to wait too much longer. It'll probably be 23, 24. Yeah, it, it would be nice if they would do some more like live stuff between now and then because I would love to see, like they did a... They did kind of a anniversary reunion show ish tour or whatever big show um, where they had Zetro and Rob Dukes on stage at the same time. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that that wasn't recorded somehow. Yeah. Um, I didn't read whether that was like released or not, but it'd be cool if they had, if they could get Kirk on stage to do a solo and yeah. bring Rob back. And, you know, they've got a lineup of like, 17 dudes or something that have been in this band over the years like get all those dudes on stage record that shit and release it like i would be all over that yeah man a lot of people would did you know that um tom hunting wrote the lyrics for one of their songs on persona non grata yeah man pretty cool he's still in the band well i'm just saying you don't see a lot of drummers that write lyrics yeah well he's been in the band since 82 basically yeah that's true so 
Yeah, Exodus, cool band. They've got a lot of history. Um, I think a lot of people, because they aren't, they are one of those old thrash metal bands, but they aren't one of the big four. They get, but they're in everybody's. They're in everybody's big six, basically. Yeah, and they should be. Yeah, but I think they get. They don't get the recognition that they deserve. Like, I I went back and I listened to Bonded by Blood this morning. Did you listen to the original or the re-recorded? the original man? Okay. And like, it stands up today. Like, it's you, a really good album. You could play that next to anything like Warbringer made. Yeah, and, for and sure. And it totally is right up there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Again, I think, yeah, I mean, your time, your timing argument, I think had something to do with it. But I still think that their vocalist, especially live, I think live. Yeah. That, that was a big thing, too, making bands get, it wasn't just the album, it was their live shows. And I think their live show probably wasn't as good. But I mean, Slayer's live show fucking sucks. And that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think there's a compelling argument to be made that Slayer is so significantly better than Exodus that they deserve to be in the big four. You've been banging that Slayer's overrated drum for a long time. I don't think Slayer's overrated. I just, I think that they, they and Anthrax had really good timing, whereas Exodus had really bad timing. Yeah, maybe. At, at the very least, I think if they would released it at, at the bare minimum, if they would have released Bonded by Blood 10 months earlier, we would have had the big five instead of the big four. I could feel that. At the bare minimum. Why aren't you saying what you say off mic all the time about Slayer? That you could beat Carrie King in a fist fight. Why aren't you saying that now? Uh, probably because this is being recorded. <laughs> and I've never said that. <laughs> you say it every Wednesday. Yeah, well, Carrie King is a 60-year-old man. <laughs> What's he going to do? Punch me with his snakes? <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh, God, that's funny. Hey, it was really good. It was really good. Thanks. Texas. I learned a lot. I am, I'm taking a little bit different approach. I feel like everybody's familiar with Gojira. Who? The big lizard? Uh, did you know that they formed in 96? Was that when they were? They were Godzilla. Godzilla, yes. Uh, so a French heavy metal band, Gojira, has was formed. Uh, it's been the same four. So the brothers Joe and Mario Duplantier on guitar and bass no guitar and drums i apologize uh and then they have now these are very french names christian andrew mm-hmm. who is the other guitarist yeah and jean-michel labadie mm-hmm. on nice. bass pretty good pretty good had a little french flair to it Ooh. but they've been around since 96 they changed their name to gojira the japanese pronunciation of godzilla in 2001 and that's also the year that they released terra incognita if anybody out there is a really, really big fan of the podcast, uh, I would absolutely accept their uh, 1999 demo Godzilla as a gift. Yeah. I'm certain that somebody has it. I don't know that anyone that listens to this podcast has it. Well, if you do, hit me up. DM me. And he will not pay you for it. It will be noted as a gift, which you can put on your taxes. You can... Yes, a charitable donation to the Vargas Gets the Gojira EP <laughs> Foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, their, uh, fun fact about Terra Incognita, uh-huh. track four, which is just titled 04, it's an instrumental, uh, was written as a birthday present to their mom, to Joe and Mario's mom. <laughs> That's really nice. Yeah, I thought that was, uh, which I'll get into a little bit later, but um, 
that is a source that almost brought the almost brought the band down. Their mom, sorta. Oh, uh, so their first two albums, Terra Incognita and The Link, which came out in two thousand three, um, they sort of followed this path of the thrash metal bands of the eighties, where they won crowds over in person mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily uh the albums that they were making that were that were winning all these people over it was their powerful performance um and i think being from f- uh i'm not from france but for them being from france i think everybody sort of has like a not so much in america but i see it a lot reading articles and interviews and stuff that like the scene right the like we talked about with children of bodom there was a strong finnish you know you could go to a bar and, and there'd be fucking yeah. four guitarists from different bands hanging out there <laughs> right, right? right. there's a scene so bands would rise to the top of these scenes and they were one of the ones that rose to the top of the french metal scene uh <clears throat> so in 2005 they released from mars to sirius did you know that this album did not chart on the billboard top 200 um hashtag make from Mars to Sirius chart on the Billboard 200. Let's launch that campaign. Let's launch that campaign. Because that shit deserves to chart. This is when Vargas and I discovered this band. We discovered them in 2006 on their very first American tour, which they were touring for from Mars to Sirius. Yeah. Uh, one of the best live shows. We, like Just just like we said, that, again, I don't think we took the time to appreciate that. That was their third album, and they were already playing that well. Yeah, that was their third album. They were... It was what Sanctity was the opening band, which eh, it was Gojira opening for Amon Amarth, yep. opening for Children of Bodom. Yeah, I mean, it was the best tour we've ever been to. <laughs> easy, easy yeah. answer when everybody's like, what's the best tour you've ever been? Oh, it's when Gojira opened for Amon Amarth, <laughs> who opened for Bodom. Yeah. Oh, when was that? Like 2014? 2006. 2006. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was really good. Um, now, fun fact about, uh, okay. For Mars to Sirius holds a special place in my heart. Yeah. Probably for this reason. That was how I discovered them. Yeah. I'm being from Mars to Sirius about it. <laughs> yes. So have you ever heard of Maquiste Al Inferno? Yeah, definitely. But for those that don't know. <laughs> yeah. So this is a weird live album that they released in 2003. There's this movie. Uh, it's a silent film. So back in the twenties, this French or Italian character, Maquiste, M A. It doesn't matter. Spelling it on air, I feel like makes it more confusing for yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just Maquiste, but he went. He was a, a character that lasted from the twenties to the sixties in like Italian or French or wherever the fuck. But he was this character that was created. And so this movie, Maquiste Al Inferno, was they they recorded this album while that was like playing uh-huh. and they recorded this live album as like a soundtrack to the like they scored it and played it live it sounds like what? shit you can find it on youtube like the actual recording yeah it's really bad but there's some heavy fucking riffs it's like a full like and so 15, it's a full gojira album i mean it's, that i've never heard the only song to ever come out of it i think was inferno which was like a oh it's gojira yeah. like unreleased song but this the the whatever the fuck it's it took me so long to like figure out what it was yeah and it was them playing along with the movie along that with was the being movie. projected yeah. so like them making a soundtrack like blind yeah. guardian wanted to do with lord of the rings yes but they did it live yeah all in one take jesus christ it's fi- okay it's i take it songs. i take it back now if anyone wants to get me a gift dude it's this live the thing. only place yeah. i found it is youtube okay it's so i don't know if it i mean i'm certain it exists 
somewhere. It was it was released. It was self released by Gojira. So I don't know how like if it's just like t- tapes or CDs, but obviously it's limited. Yeah. And again, the only place I found it is is on YouTube. Every track is named Makistio One, Makistio Two. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it lasts for sixty. It's fifty eight minutes long. It's a it's, it's a, a full, full short or it's a full uh, silent film. My God. It, and it, again, it blew me. Out. I'm yeah. like, okay, wait. Like they wrote it for them. Like what am I talking about? Yeah, they just played this live show, all these songs while it was being projected on the thing it's wild it's fuck and again the recording's like it's bad it sounds yeah. like they put a microphone in the center of the room which i'm sure they did yeah self-release like whatever yeah. but uh really really interesting to me gojira do that again <laughs> yeah do, do that again. do that as a whole tour and i will go what what movie would you want them to score a- any movie i'm gonna say in bruges i'm gonna say suspiria that'd be cool so that was in that was in 2003. So 2005 from our series came out. That's sort of when critics, at least, um, and metalheads definitely took notice world worldwide, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so the Way of All Flesh came out in 2008. This one actually charted on the Billboard Top 200. This one hit. What What would you say it hit? This is going to be one of those like really surprising things. This is peak. And it hits like number eight, or this is going to be really one of those surprising things. And it hits like it got one one ninety eight out of two hundred. I'm gonna go. It got it. It got up to eighty four. One thirty eight. Oh, see now the reason I bring that up is because so that was our first chart, right? Yeah. Les Enfants Sava. Yeah. Which means the Wild Child in French for uh-huh. those who don't know. That came out in 2012. Four years later, mm-hmm. that one peaked. At 34. Hell yeah. So they had over 100 jump yeah. on the Billboard Top 200. Now, since then, they've only released Top 25. They've released two albums since then. Magma came out in 2016. Hell yeah. So when Magma was going on, um, Joe and Mario's mom died. Oh. I think during the recording of it. Okay. Um, and so they said it created a lot of stress, right? If you got two people that just lost their parent, both yeah. in a band trying H- to Half record. the band yeah. lost their parent. So, and obviously they very close relationship with with their mom so um it it didn't like build a wedge but joe had just said in a few interviews that it created tension and it was like it was a hard thing to get through like you lose your mom trying to go on tour and record this album and all that stuff uh but magma charted uh peak position 24 now fortitude came out 2021 right this was maybe besides magma maybe their biggest departure from what they had what they were right progressive death metal they're much more like not avant-garde, right? The machismo, whatever the fuck. That's avant-garde. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is much more. It's just. It's just more progressive. It's more progressive than it is death metal. Yeah. But there's still plenty of death metal on there, right? Yeah. Uh, that opened at 12. Hell yeah. To me, they're, the billboard, and then, you know, you can say it's about any heavy metal band um, because the billboard is kind of bullshit. But the billboard top 200 is about four albums late on giving credit where credit is due for oh, these yeah. guys, right? Going from 138 in 2008 to 12 in 2001 and still having people say, who's what's Gojira is pretty, is pretty wild to me. Yeah. Obviously in the metal community, they're giant. Right. I, I think this might be one of our blind spots, you know, cause we've been following them for so long. This might be one of our there's, blind spots. There's no way that anybody who's listening to this podcast didn't know the name Gojira before they started listening to this podcast. Yeah, I think we're that's not true. introducing anyone to this. Band. No, no, no. But I still think that even like our friend from who the hell is this for? I don't uh, Ty. I don't know if he knew Gojira. 
well or then, at least at least didn't listen to it wasn't a huge huge fan well right? then i need to dust off all my gojira shirts and wear them everywhere i go every time you see ty <laughs> just have a gojira shirt on um so joe first learned the first song he learned on guitar this is a fun little anecdote that uh-huh. was kind of that was my numbers yeah, numbers sure, portion, sure, sure. right so they've steadily grown gone up they yeah. they just did their best album uh billboard wise release wise um in 2021 so hopefully they're going to keep going up with their next one so joe's first song he learned on guitar was fade to black hell yeah and then they got to tour with metallica in europe i think i've toured with them a few times but uh one time on in europe lars told the band like hey meet me at this bar you know after the show like we'll hang out and everything joe met his wife at that bar no shit yeah with lars yeah that's so, insane. <laughs> I, I, he told a fun little story. Um, so he basically owes his marriage and career to Metallica. Yeah. Which I think is pretty interesting. But he told a fun little story about uh, about her. He was like, oh, yeah. He was like, you know, big dick. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm on tour with Metallica right now. And she was like, who? And she like legit <laughs> didn't know who Metallica <laughs> That's was. That's pretty fucking great. Yeah. So if I ever told someone that I was on tour with Metallica and they said who I would probably have the dickhead response of like oh you and I are not going to get along yeah you would you absolutely <laughs> if, would if you don't know Metallica we're not going to get along well, so I'm going to stop this how hot how hot is she that's true and that's, you have the opportunity to show someone Metallica but then I do and they were like ew I'd be like whoops we're not gonna no stop talking about me and <laughs> focus on the music stop looking at me uh, so as a drummer you yeah or a fellow drummer how long would you say it, it would take you to warm up before a show? Oh, dude, before a show. Well, I know. So I normally did it in like two chunks. Mm-hmm. I'd warm up for like 30, 45 minutes and then like another 10 or 15 right before you go on stage. Yeah. So besides his stretching. Yeah. Joe says Mario does his drum practice. Yeah. For an hour before every show, <laughs> which is that's too, that's too much it's too much but when you hear his drumming it's like yeah. oh yeah you got to get pretty loose for yeah that. also this is a fun fact i think it's a drum drummer heavy episode today mario is the one who builds the set lists for their live shows huh. which i think is very interesting because well when, when you think I, about gojira it makes sense because it's like i'm gonna be too tired to play that right, that's yeah that totally makes sense from a from a band standpoint yeah like Obviously, everybody in the band knows what the crowd favorites are going to be, but like, yeah, I would love to be able to build a set list for a band so I can be like, I'm going to start with the hardest shit first, get it out of the way, and then and then we play Highway to Hell yeah. at the end. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> certain that it's like, I'm certain they all agree on it and everything, yeah. but he is the one who picks this, probably picks the songs. That's cool. And then structures it where he does not have to go yeah. the three hardest songs or last. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that... Uh, another band that has been together for the entire time. And it's very interesting hearing them talk. They all seem like when they're not on tour together, like the uh, Joe says that the bassist, Jean Michel, like doesn't respond to texts or calls. Like he says, he just wants to ride his bike and like hang out by himself. So like these bands you find, it's not that they just keep hanging out with each other when they're not making music. It seems like they have a very good balance. And they're still able to enjoy each other's company and be yeah. friends like in the band. It also seems like they, from all the interviews I watched, they seem very well adjusted. Yeah. But also give us Sea Shepherd. Also give us give that us, fucking EP. Give us Sea Shepherd. If you don't know, Sea Shepherd is a project um, 
Well, Sea Shepherd, you can look up. You can think of whatever you want about Sea Shepherd. A lot of people call them pirates. I think that they're uh, awesome and they're vigilantes in a good way. But that doesn't matter what I think. I think you should just go to YouTube yeah. and Google of Blood and Salt. Yeah. Because that song. That song's fucking awesome. But uh, we're never going to get that. But uh, so that's Gojira. Same four guys in the band for their entire career from 96 up until now. The opposite of Exodus. The opposite of Exodus. <laughs> where it's just the drummer with his one arm. <laughs> or one and a half arms. And whatever Gary Holt. <laughs> and Gary Holt. Uh, that's good shit. So check out the uh, playlist. We'll have selects from Gojira and from Exodus on there. That comes out Tuesday. Should come out Tuesday. No promises. It's February first on Tuesday. So who knows? Who knows what the world brings? Yeah, every month is a new thing. Open the door. Who knows? Who knows? Look Bring outside. on that meteor. You know. <laughs> oh, hey, baby. Now's the time. There's already. It's, you're going to kill way less people because they've already died from great the plague uh boy we hope to we hope to, we brought you joy off off of that oh, that's great uh so let's go jira and exodus uh make sure to vote every wednesday this album comes up or this this album this is not an album this is a podcast every wednesday this podcast comes out and every wednesday the poll goes up you can vote on our twitter or instagram at the onslaught pod uh we have them in our stores and we have them on twitter um we of course I don't think we're going to get a vote from Chris Barnes this week because uh, he can't see our tweets anymore. This week. <laughs> yeah, I think he was a big fan. Before. He can still vote for us on Instagram, though. Yeah, he hasn't blocked us there. I'll fix that. I'll fix that. I'll DM him some really hateful shit. Uh, we'll, we'll put, should put up a picture of Chris Barnes with some tears and him saying, oh, the 90s were cooler. Oh, why is the aunt? They're so mean to me, but like I'm so tough and they're so soft. Oh, they're the best podcast. Look at look at my big ear gauges and <laughs> dreads. Oh, that's definitely we did a really good impression of him. That's Chris Barnes. <laughs> you could also email us at the onslaught podcast at gmail.com. Uh, again, if you're in the Kansas City area, March 6th, Sunday, 1 p.m. at Cinderblock, come out. Uh, have a couple beers hang out with us watch us destroy the other podcasts at mario golf so we can control their social media names and if you're not in the kansas city area probably get your tickets uh soon so that you get the best uh rates on that airfare yeah you don't want to get the flight canceled yeah to the biggest event of the year correct and that's after the super bowl so you know uh thanks for listening uh your favorite band sucks especially if it's six feet under <laughs>